Thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. For those of you that have been listening, sending in questions and comments, thank you so much. And please continue to help spread the word that every Monday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time, this show will bring on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases entertain, while bringing answers and options to making our lives happier, healthier, and more successful. Now, if you can't listen live, I want you to know all of our shows can be found at answers.network. So um, please, I want you to know that I'd appreciate it if you could send a message out to your social media group and let them know the type of shows that they can see here, because it is, it is just one powerful way that we can make a positive influence on the world together. Now, my guest host today is a great fit for our subject today. Tamara Garden is the clinical director of Sedona Sky Academy, an accredited residential treatment center and therapeutic boarding school for middle school and high school girls. She is a master's degree licensed professional counselor in the state of Arizona. She has extensive training and experience with trauma and specialized training in all developmental stages from birth to geriatrics. Now, unfortunately, with mental health issues reaching staggering high numbers in our youth population, so Tamara has spent the last seven years focused on pre-adolescence and adolescence in a therapeutic setting. Now, she is especially focused on relational models that are trauma-informed. As a mother of four, Tamara is passionate about helping adolescents develop sound boundaries, a positive sense of self, and to develop the capacity for healthy relationships. Tamara, thank you for joining me today as we talk about Parenting with Confidence. Thank you for having me. Well, it is my pleasure, um, and, and I feel blessed with the fact that I mm-hmm. have, um, you know, I feel like I, I have two experts in the field, and, uh, and I get to probably learn as much as uh, our listeners and viewers. Now, I realize that the families uh, that come to you at Sedona Sky are probably dealing with a variety of issues that begin with a breakdown in communication. Yes. Now, now, what is the typical profile of the girls you see at Sedona Sky Academy? Yeah, uh, we're we're seeing a lot of anxiety and depression and school refusal um, girls. We're seeing girls that have had some sort of trauma, and then that has caused a disruption in attachments in the family. So what we're doing is we're bringing those girls in and we're helping to rebuild those attachments, um, to rebuild those relationships while um, really looking at what caused those dysregulations in attachment to begin with. And then we're addressing that as well. What are some of the biggest differences you're seeing now in the last couple of years, which we can now, I guess, refer to the, you know, the the, the COVID pandemic generation? Yeah, um, I think that they these girls were really isolated and so and their parents were there and so they're having to reestablish that relationship, what that normal is. And I think the, the kids today are really forced to use social media a lot more and that's affecting their social interactions and and there's or the lack of. Um, so we're seeing some anxiety and depression and, and nonverbal learning stuff coming up. Um, and then also the parents are saying, go back to school, go back to school now that we're back. And the kids are like, well, we have the option, don't we? Um, which is something we never thought about when, when we were growing up. Um, so, so there's a lot of dynamic stuff going on there. Well, um, and I would love to be able to to get more information on that. Um, and I know that I'm going to try to have have you back um, sometime in the future, probably this summer. Uh, but before we get to our guest today, I mean, what is the best way for a family to get in touch with you or your staff, you know, to learn more about Sedona Sky and how Sedona Sky could help? Um, and and again, if there's you know any information that somebody needs. 
you know, they can get a hold of you now, or um, for those of you that are just kind of gaining information, as I said, we're going to try to have, um, you know, to have uh, you know, her back as well as uh, maybe a couple other people from the program to tell us more about what they do. Yes, um, they can call us at 928-615-9081 or email us at admissions at SedonaSky.org. Um, and then they can connect you with anybody um, that can answer any questions that you have, including myself. I love it. And, and thank you for coming on. Now, our, um, our answers for, day, for today, they come from the author of the new book, how to do parenting with confidence. So our guest, Vanessa Kalon, is the founder of Kalon Family Services School, a nonprofit organization that provides education for grades K through eight, along with resources and support to families with strong-willed children that some call 2E, twice exceptional. Um, after being an in-home behavioral specialist and supervisor of various California behavioral programs for many years, Vanessa came up with the idea of yoga education for children on the autism spectrum and spent much of her free time creating her own program after years of studying clinical psychology and working with different populations around trauma, attachment issues, and family dynamics. Vanessa, welcome to Answers Network. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, it is my pleasure. And uh, I just feel like parenting is such a huge issue right now uh, that, you know, it's, I mean, it's sort of like, what does a parent do? And, and we've already actually had some questions from parents uh, that, uh, that knew you were coming on. And what I was getting from these questions was frustration. You know, it's, you know, they don't know what to do. They feel like they have lost control. Uh, so one of the things you talk about in your book, which is kind of one-liners, and I think sometimes as parents, we have a tendency to want to sit down with our child and we go into this lecture. And I'm guessing they turn us off after about, I don't know, second sentence. So, so you know. <laughs> How can a parent use these powerful one-liners for those challenging parenting moments, you know, that tend to push buttons and yet they know that if they try to sit down and turn this into a big lesson, which my kids will tell you, I did that probably way too often. Um, let's talk a little bit about those that you bring up in the book, because I thought that that was a great way to not only get their attention, but keep their attention at least for a short period of time. You know, one thing I want to mention, too, is that when children are, when you're in that argument stage, right, processing mm -hmm. stops already. So, I mean, I, I think understanding why these one-liners are super important and to have a couple in your toolkit is really important to understand that, like, that's what's going to get you out of that situation instead because or it just escalates because everything just stops. And my, my favorite one-liner is, like, let me know when you're, you're ready to talk or let me know when you're calm. But I'm right here. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I think sitting in silence after that one-liner is the hardest part for people. And that's where I think is a, that's where, you know, being able to be there. And as you're talking about attachment and being that, that person that the child feels secure and that you're there, but when you're calm, we'll talk versus escalating it to a level where you're saying things you don't mean, or you're taking things away that really you were not going to do. <laughs> and the follow through is not happening. And so then the consistency breaks and then, you know, you don't trust your parent at the same time because they're not following through. So it's this whole cycle mm -hmm. that I see happening. Mm -hmm. And what's your suggestion for when you're sitting there calm and quiet and, and typically I think a child is going to escalate more before they actually calm down. So what's your suggestion for that? I'm going to keep it the same where I'm going to give, I'll wait until you're calm. And with that, it would be the extinction burst, right? They're going to take it to another level mm -hmm. until you're doing it. Um, I also am looking at safety. I will make sure that the child is safe. That's the biggest thing first. If they're hitting or doing other things like that, that's where I will, you know, physically help them if I need to. But I think the safety is a huge component of being able to not hurt themselves or others because they also feel bad afterwards. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like you're looking at how do we make a child feel secure and also understanding that you're the one that is helping them regulate themselves because they're not there. 
right? But putting them like saying, okay, go in another room. I think that causes a lot more anxiety for children. So, but being able to be there, be calm. And then, you know, hopefully within the next time it's, you know, instead of 30 minutes, it's 28 minutes and then 27 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I've done home sessions where I don't plan. I, you know, I will come in and I do not have a watch and I do not schedule back to back because I could like five minutes before I'm leaving, a huge behavior happens and I have to work through that behavior and it could be 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and I love the fact that you, you use the term, you know, in your toolbox, you know, you know, have one of the, have some of these one-liners in your toolbox. And I know that from a, a training standpoint, um, when we would work with at-risk youth, I would speak a lot about the toolbox. The difference though is, is that we, as, um, you know, as somebody coming in, the child doesn't know our buttons yet. And I, and I would explain to parents, you know, they would go, I don't understand. Why can you come in and get this type of, of response, whereas I can't? So share a little bit about the benefit that you provide when you come in uh, or, or you have a program, you know, like, uh, you know, like Tamara has or something like that. Right. Where, where the child that has however old they are, if they have 11 years of experience learning how to push that parent's buttons. And, and the advantages that someone that's trained that comes in and works with them has to be able to not get triggered because they don't know our buttons yet. So that's what I call love packs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do, because I mean, think about it. You, you, your kid is showing you who they are and, and I think it's perspective, right? And you can look at it differently when your kid's yelling at you and be like, okay, this is a love tap. They, they feel safe with me. So it's like how you look at a situation too, you know, versus feeling defeated. And I think a lot of parents do feel defeated. And then, you know, when I'm coming in, it could go either way. Like they can really, really like, wow, she's great. Like my kids listening to her. And then like a little bit of resentment towards me <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> That's not it. And I also get very close with my kids. I mean, I, I come from a relationship-based approach, so it takes a little bit longer. Right. I'm not going to come in and telling a child what to do. I want to get to know the child a little bit, understand what their needs are. And I always tell parents when you one of the hardest things to do is spend five minutes a day following your child's lead. And that's when there's a break in relationship. I'm like, if you can do that, which is not asking a ton of questions. I think parents have a tendency to just are constantly, are they, what happened at school today? You know, are you, if they're younger, like what color is this during play? Or they're doing, they're always teaching versus just spending five minutes a day on your child's level. and just following their lead and just going into their world. It's very hard to do, but once you start doing that, that's when you start to see a shift in the relationship. The child starts to listen to you more. And that's, you know, that's the work. And for me, I want to empower parents because me coming in an hour is great, but I would rather empower parents to be able to like understand their child a little bit more, how to bring that connection together and that family, you know, being healthier and happier and not so explosive all the time. So it sounds like what you're, what you're talking about is attuning, um, really having the parent attune with their child and really start to understand what's going on at, from an, an emotional standpoint, as opposed to, an interview sort of standpoint. Right. And I think, I think it's hard for parents. And that's why the yoga program that I developed, think about it, you know, a lot of parents and adults don't know how to play. So I developed this yoga program because downward dog is downward dog everywhere you go. And you can make, make it fun. <laughs> and you're also working on self-regulation stuff. And so you're doing breathing activities like a parent's head is on, you know, the child's head is on the stomach and you're practicing breathing together. There's a connection that you're doing because I do think it is hard for some parents to get on the floor and play. And I understand that. I mean, I, I would rather be with children than adults. So, like, that's me. <laughs> I mean, I'm with all adults. <laughs> You'll find me with the kids. I want to play. <laughs> um, so, in a little bit ago, you were talking about the questions, you know, that, you know, the parents have a tendency to hit the child. You know, they come home from school and there's a barrage of questions. Share some of the questions that are empowering and proactive versus the questions that um, that given incorrectly cause a yes or no or I don't know type of answer, you know, a, a, a two or three syllable answer, uh, you know, as opposed to questions that will allow them to talk about things that they're passionate about rather than what you're worried about. 
Right. I think if your child is doing something, you know, whether it's Legos, uh, like a, big, a game on the computer, or whatever, just sitting down next to them and just like, just being present, I feel like. So I don't have like a set of questions to ask. I just think that being there and no phone, right? Like no, you're not checking your phone. And then also I call it like quality time together and labeling it. Like we're going to spend some quality time. You know, I think a lot of times people are like, we'll do pizza on Friday night. And I'm like, well, that to me is a ritual. <laughs> like if you change the language to like, we're going to spend some quality time. What do you want to do? What is it that you want right now? And to me, like a lot of times people will do rewards and that, well, if I'm going to do something like that, it's going to be something that we're going to do together, like a movie, or we're going to do something fun. It's not about, you know, a child getting a reward for doing something that, you know, a lot of times it's just being nice with some of my kids, like saying hi, <laughs> but I'd rather it be about a, a relationship building, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you identify that quality time? Because what can be quality time for a parent can look very different to the child. So how do you how do you identify that? How do you help the parents identify that? Right. And that is like when I have the family meetings, I call and like, let's have a family meeting on what makes, what would you want to do? What would be quality time for you? And I think it's bringing in the conversation, right? I think a lot of times adults are talking about like of what, what the goals are for the child, but I think bringing the child in and being part of it. Like I, anytime I come into a home, the, the everyone's like, well, do you want to talk privately? I go, no, <laughs> the child knows what's going on already. And I think a lot of times when we're not talking to the child, the imagination takes over and more anxiety is happening. Right. So like, how do you get the child to come in to the relationship and, and feel heard? Cause let's be honest, everybody's working on something. Mm-hmm. You know, my, t- my kids at school will tell me, you know, you need to do this, or you maybe you're a little bit over the top on this one. Okay. How, like, let me figure this out. So what should I have done? And what do you think would be an appropriate response? Right. And again, it's like mm-hmm. me, including the children, the kids into this relationship of like, okay, I will work on this, but can you meet me a little bit? And I don't have to ask like, you know, multiple times to do something. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do that. And then I'm like, remember our goal? And then I'm going to ask the child to do something. So I'm going to remind them beforehand. And then say, remember, we're working on listening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you think you're ready to listen now? And that's when we know. I'm like, okay, let me know when you're ready. Okay, that's it. Uh And yeah, it's just like little simple things that I do like that, that parents like, that was it. That was, that's really it. I'm like, yeah, go remember, we're working on that goal that we talked about yesterday. Can you do it? So what you're really talking about is trust and having trust for the parent and letting, creating that trusting space for the child to have those opinions and be able to do the work that they're working on. Yes. And I also think parents need to understand that if you're not following through with, and you have a lot of, you know, I'm going to take this away and you don't do anything. It's just creating, you know, a child that doesn't trust adults. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times some of the kids that I get that come in, they, it's been hard to trust teachers. It's been hard to do that. So we have to re- go back and rebuild that relationship to understand that like I'm super consistent to a fault almost. Like if I say it, I know I have to follow through with it. And sometimes you're like, oh, that was just way too, like, why did I just do that? Right. Um, but you still have to follow through. Mm-hmm. And then if I make a mistake, I'm like, tell, I'm going to tell my kids, you know what? I think that I made a mistake here. Can we like rewind this again? And let's try this again. And so that's something that when I see a behavior in a school or there's a break in like a, a social situation, that's where I call it. We do the redo when I notice something and then we do the rewind. And that is the rewind of like, what did you want the child to do and what language do you want the child to see? So I'm going to give the language. And then we have the repair piece, which is like, how did that make you feel? So that there's an understanding of how a child's actions affect somebody else. So, cause I don't believe in the word, sorry, sorry to me is like, <laughs> <laughs> and when kids start coming in and coming into my school and then the first one says, sorry, they're like, Oh, Vanessa doesn't like that. <laughs> I like it. Um, do you, um, what's your thoughts on contracts as far as where there, you know, there's a written contract so that there's no misinterpretation of what the parents think is supposed to, to be happening and what the, the uh, kids are thinking. I don't know. I mean, 
I feel like the contracts, okay, so I, I go back and forth with this, and I think it depends on the child. So I don't want to say one thing, but I just, I don't do contracts. Um, I find that it's almost like when you're, when you're dropping your kid off at school, remember the contract, we're not going to hit, we're not going to bite, we're not going to do these things, but you just put a kid into the school with the last thing you heard of what they're most likely going to do. Right. So I think it's a reminder versus saying, hey, look at the look at the language difference. OK, so, hey, are we going to try to make better choices today? You think you can do it? So I try to stay away from the negative because then it's like, well, you just told me not to hit. And that was the last thing I was just thinking about. So maybe I'm going to do that now. Interesting thought. So um, it's different, but I don't know. I just find that like when you are constantly talking about it and it's like, when is it going to stop? <laughs> You know, the kids like I'm done talking about it. Like, okay, and then, you know, if they go to school and they did from eight to ten and they didn't hit or they didn't do something, that's great. That's success. Yeah. But I think we get so stuck on like, oh, it happened. You know, at two thirty, it gets picked up at two forty-five, and something happened at two thirty, and then the whole day is gone. No, it doesn't. It shouldn't be that way. We should, you know, be very grateful when kids do well longer than their normal days. So catching them in the act of doing good. Of course. And, and that is that what you're talking about when you talk about um, good versus bad? I, you is know, that... there's, I, I talk about good, good versus, I could think, I talk about choices. You know, in life we have choices, right? What, and what those choices, bring, you know, are bring the outcomes, what, what, like consequences or what is going to happen. And to me, I would like to talk about what are some choices that we could do differently and then go from there. And that I think is where the child starts to understand that they have a choice and what they want and their outcome and that it doesn't affect me, but it affects them. And so when it's like, well, did you, how was your day? Did you try to make a couple good choices? Great. But the parent's not going to be at school, but I think just dropping them off and saying, you know what, let's try today. Let's try one thing. Maybe, you know, you're not going to, uh, what is, I don't know, we'll skip the hitting. <laughs> We're not going to hit. <laughs> and maybe they didn't. And I mean, that's a huge accomplishment for some mm-hmm. kids. You know, you mm-hmm. got the impulsivity issues. We got really young ones of kids that have been stuck inside for two years. And then you're putting them into the world. A lot of these kids didn't even know how to sit, how to, how to be taught. Like you have to reteach all these kids from these, pand- from the pandemic, from being at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the fact that Tamara brought up the, the term catch them in the act or catch them doing something good. Um, and that was something that uh, that I focused on as a room dad, uh, my first time as a room dad in a kindergarten class. And so I went and I got a bunch of these little um, rocks that have like little positive things on it. It says courage or it says brave, it says love and so on. And, you know, as the teacher was doing things and stuff. And, and I would see somebody that was, you know, patiently doing something, patiently waiting or whatever. And I would make a big deal about it. And I'd go, wait, wait, I just caught Kathy doing something good. She was reading this and I would just make a big deal about it. And, and what I liked about that particular kindergarten teacher, that if another child was in the back of the room having a meltdown, she brought no attention to it at all. Right. She just focused on the other kids and said, okay, we're all going to come over here and we're going to read and we're going to talk about this and so on. And she would wait until, until that child calmed down and then go over and deal with it. And I think that was something, and, and I was very thankful because I was learning a lot from her as well about focusing on the positive, catching them doing something good and, and making that the attention you know, as opposed to, and it's one of the things you talk about in your book about, you know, you know, you stop saying no over and over again, you know, it's not getting you anywhere, you know, and, and you're just focusing on all the negative things. And in, in fact, and, and I love that, that you have it in your book, um, you know, you know, share some of the, the teaching tools that you're using in place of no, no, no. So for, so you're talking about, so for example, for a family, you know, you know, that somebody's doing well, or there's something else going on, get a, a, a bucket, like a bucket or some, a jar or something. And like, anytime you see something as a family, you put it together, you put something in the jar, right. Or you can write what it was. And then, you know, once it hits a certain amount, like you have like a pizza party for everybody, like there's, you're, you're talking about the, the community and the relationship building, right. So if you're having a child that 
listened really well. Like, oh, great. You could just get that, you know, whatever piece of whatever it is, put it in something. And it's clear. So you can kind of see like, oh, wow, look, as a family, look at all these good choices we're making together. Oh, I I love that. Right? And you can That's even, amazing. Right? So, that you do, so again, yeah. it's like, how do you build that? I do want to go back on something, though, because okay. I do think that um, a lot of times compliments are really hard for some children. So one of the ta- one of the things that I do uh-huh. is because compliments like, are hard. Compliments can be, for example, if you have a kid in a classroom and you're like, wow, that was a great drawing and they just rip it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, so it's almost how they, they, how they feel internally is showing us. And then we're giving them a compliment and that's not how, that's not matching how they feel. So when I was with these kids, I asked first, are you ready? Can I give you a compliment or what do you think? Because I want them to be in, to understand that, okay, that compliments are hard, but I also want them to give me permission to give it to them or not. And sometimes they'll tell me, no, I'm, I'm not, don't give me a compliment. Like, okay, well, let me know when you're ready. Because a lot of you're looking at a child that doesn't feel good about themselves. And so a lot of times parents are trying to compliment and compliment and, compliment and then destroy. <laughs> Things are just, it's not working. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Okay, I, I understand and I get frustrated when they're complimenting on things that shouldn't be complimented. You know, where it's just, they're trying so hard to say something positive that's like, oh, great job getting up out of your chair. Okay, no, no. But um, why do you think, what do you think has been happening in their life earlier in their life that they're uncomfortable with being praised for, for truly doing something well? You know, that is something, because I, I have really young kids and I just feel like some kids are just come in a little more resilient than others. And it's just something that I've seen over and over again, where it's just that it's just, it's how they feel about themselves. And so I don't know if it's a parent, like I, I don't, I have some amazing parents that, you know, try to build. And there's just some kids that have a tendency just to go to the negative self-talk, the negative side. And then it's like, well, you know, you give them that compliment and they don't feel they deserve it. So, I mean, that's why I just want to make sure that on this, that what people take away is that ask first when they're ready, because it's how they're feeling at the moment, at that moment about themselves. So if they're feeling like, okay, I could, I could take the compliment now. I'm working on it. And again, this is also going to be a conversation with the child saying, you know, I notice when I give you a compliment, you destroy everything. What's going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Can you okay. help? Can we figure this out? You know, I mean, I just had a conversation last week with one of my kids. He's nine. And I go, you know, whenever I plan something special for you, you ruin it. Hmm. Every time. Should, should I just not tell you when I have something planned for you? And the next day, and then I leave it. I'm not going to have a long conversation. Right. And the next day he's like, you know, Vanessa, I thought about that. Don't tell me. I'm like, okay, I'll work on it though. But as long as there's that, that self-reflection piece and also the, that the child is the one reflecting. Cause I think a lot of times parents are like, you know, you're doing this or you're anxious and you're that and like, well, have them come up with the word. Like, how are they feeling? How are, how are we giving a child responsibility mm-hmm. of their own emotions to understand that they have a choice? Like I'm like, you you have a choice to be happy or not. I tell kids that all the time, (laughs) you know, life's hard. So Tamara, how how would you answer that question? Working with girls between, you know, that are teens and tweens uh, that are unable to accept a compliment. What are the things you're finding out that maybe um, wasn't dealt with when they were much younger? Yeah, I think that there is a self-confidence there, like they don't deserve it. Um, for whatever reasons. So we have to explore what's going on with that. I also think that sometimes they're coming from a trauma background or a chaotic background. And so when things are going smooth and are calm and happy, that's when the anxiety is actually going up because they're waiting for the shoe to drop. And so that feeds into those compliments or I'm okay, everything's okay, because then the anxiety can start to go up waiting for that shoe to drop. So it's really helping them to start to trust um, their environment, their their tribe, their people, um, and trust themselves that it, it's, it's okay and it's real. All right. That is my co-host, Tamara Garden, and she's the clinical director of Sedona Sky Academy. 
our guest is Vanessa Kalon, and she's the founder of Family uh, Kalon Family Services School. And the book is How to Do Parenting with Confidence. We're going to take a break. Stay with us. If you know somebody that you're thinking of now and you go, oh my God, they need to be hearing this, contact them now. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to or watching Answers Network. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to or watching Answers Network, and we are talking about how to parent with confidence. And we have questions that have come in. Uh, this one reads, my generation was thrust into motherhood and fatherhood with zero training other than what we learned from our own parents. I look back and I'm amazed at how well my son turned out in spite of my own inadequacies and insecurities. I purchased your book and I am loving it. My son and his wife are expecting their first child in May, and this book um, uh, you know, could not come at a better time for them to start preparing for what's to come. What is your advice to a new grandmother that wants to help and yet not meddle in their parenting style? And what do you think are the biggest changes in parenting over the last 30 years? And this is from Lorianne in Washington. Um, again, it's coming down to having a family meeting. You know, I, I think that, I don't know why people are so scared to communicate, but it, it's for some reason, it's just, I, I have zero filters. This is how I always am, no matter where I go. Um, but I, you know, I think being able to communicate on all levels of like, okay, what, what is it that, what is it that both parents need? And especially as a grandparent, I don't know, I think grandparents should have like the free reign to me. Like they should just have fun and like <laughs> enjoy that piece. <laughs> that, that's, that's where I come from. Um, and what was the second question? Like what is change? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you think are the biggest changes in parenting um, over the past 30 years? So what I get, and this is again from Ann. So I think mm-hmm. what Ann is, is saying that, you know, she was doing this 30 years ago. You know, she was parenting 30 years ago. And now, you know, she's seeing her son and uh, daughter-in-law, you know, begin their life as parents and just wondering what, in fact, I'd love to have this question for both of you, you know, you know, what do you think are the biggest changes in parenting that you've seen over the past 30 years? Do you want to go first, Tamara, on that one? <laughs> I think for, yeah, sure. Um, one of the biggest things that we're seeing um, is, yeah, I think, social media. I think that's a huge influence. It's part of their culture. They're indigenous to social media. And as parents, I think that we don't know the rules. We don't know the dangers. We don't know the good stuff. Um, And we don't know how to parent um, children in that regard. So I think that's a huge piece. And and we, we as parents, you know, a friend is somebody who I've actually met and talked to with kids. A friend is somebody they know through social media. And so we're really having to figure out what their rules are and what's healthy. So I think that's a big, big piece that's changed in the last even 10 years. Right. Um, I find that I think a lot of times parents uh, nowadays are scared to say no to their child. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like that the boundary piece is definitely something that that I, when I'm going to home, it's the first thing that I'm seeing or that, or a parent is scared of a behavior that's going to happen. So then they just kind of modify everything, which ends up making it a lot worse later. Right. So they're trying to redirect everything. So there, so it doesn't happen, but yet the child's not learning a different way. So instead there's a lot of manipulation coming in and, you know, trying and, and a lot of negotiations too, when some things are just, it's a no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, certain things, certain things should not be negotiable. Um, and and I, I agree with what both of you said, but I want to expand a little bit about the on the no part, because uh, it reminds me of a, of a story I had with a parent. And um, and again, we, and we were brought in because we were supposed to be taking uh, their child to a specialized program where they would get some help. And so when I was giving the instructions to the mother, in regards to this is when we're going to arrive and this is how it's going to go. And we're going to say this and we're going to dismiss you. And, uh, you know, and we need you not to react, you know, not, you know, don't let them start pushing your buttons because this is not a negotiable point at the, you know, at the stage that they're in now based on their particular situation. And the mother goes, well, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, why? Well, I don't explain to me why you don't think you can do that. Well, they're not going to like me if I do this. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, I said, I, I, I got to tell you, I said, your child does not need a 40 year old best friend. They need a 40 year old parent. And sometimes a parent has to say no, you know, so but just to kind of with your point. Um, yeah, it's you're not supposed to be their best friend. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I think boundaries are something that, you know, if, if maybe parents didn't have growing up, you know, it, but I think that, you know, a lot of times kids, I'm like, I see a lot of kids with a lot of behaviors of meltdowns. And it's, you know, I had recently a story of a, a client of mine who, you know, she, the, the daughter was upset. She's about three and um, she had to blow her nose and, there, and the mom was, she got the booger out and, <laughs> and the daughter was so upset that she tried to give the booger back. And I'm just going, did you really just do that? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I, I understand that there's a point where you're like, I'm so frustrated, but then that's where you have, you have a partner that you say, okay, I need to, we need to switch here. Like I am at my max, like we need to do it or take a break. And I think being able to model self-care and taking a break is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's one of the stories where I'm just like, really? And I was like, well, what did you say? But you know, when you say something and then you realize afterwards, you're like, what did I just do? That was yeah. her- but I was, I'll never forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> consultation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, being able to say no at times. Yes, I know. And, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm thinking this falls in that category of sentences I didn't really expect to ever hear. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I have a lot of stories. <laughs> And you have to laugh about it because it's just, you know, kids are struggling and, you know, you have to make it light because, you know, who, who else is going to support them? Uh, and if you if you meet match them all the time, then it's going to be a lot worse. So, you know, you know, I'm always like doing my interventions, like with a smile, I'm like half like doing things. So because even when I am being hard on a child, I don't want to come off like all my body language is like I don't want to shame a child. So it's like, okay, let's think about a different way we could do this. And I do the rewind and we, you make it fun, right? And then that's where the learning comes in versus you going in and think about your body language is standing, you know, arms are crossed. And then all of a sudden the child just shuts down and then they're not processing anything anyways. And then, you know, a lot of kids have a hard time saying, which we, I don't like the word, sorry. There's another way to do things like, you know, apology through an action or doing something and checking in because uh, sorry becomes this thing that that's automatic. And I feel like it's very much like, oh, I did this. Sorry. Um, I did a home consultation and there was a parent that was very stuck on their child saying sorry. Like, I mean, it was just very culturally like this is how you do it. And then I this is our third session. I'm like, OK, they're not getting the point. So I threw a pen at the dad and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I get the pen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you getting the point? <laughs> sorry doesn't mean oh, anything. Oh, like, you're going to keep doing it. But the thing is, how do we change what the behavior? You want to think about what do you want the, the child to be doing differently? 
versus saying no, like, okay, if your kid's doing the same thing over and over again, they might not have the language. So if you just give them the language, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say, oh, what, what, what should you have said? You know what? They would have said it if they would have known. I'm not going to ask that. I'm just going to give them the language because right there, if you would have said, what should you have said? You're going to have an art. You're going to have a behavior, right? Instead, I'm just going to be like, okay, you, I could tell you want to play. You want to play? You want to mm-hmm. say that? And then they do it. And that's the teaching that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's the real life. It's like, what behavior do you want to see differently? And what is the language you want your, your child to be doing? Right. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of like spoon feeding like an infant of like, as the words are coming and you're still going to do it with a 10 year old sometimes. Yeah, I love it. And it sounds like you're really um, helping them to identify their emotions. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of kids, at least the kids I'm seeing, they don't even know what they're feeling. They don't have a name for it. So by giving them that name, then they can start to have the words on what to do with it. Right. I mean, we're adults, you know, and we barely know our own emotions. And that's what I mean, my parents. (laughs) And like kids are allowed to have, and that's just the other thing that like, I know parents get really upset that their child's having a bad day, but I mean, we have bad days too. Mm -hmm. A child is allowed to have a bad day. You know, if they're, if I've been coming to school and I'm seeing like three kids or I'm just going, oh God, this, I'm like, do I really want to do academics and push today? No, I'm not. We're just going to eat pizza and hang out and go to the park. That's what we're going to do. You know, it's, it's okay to have those days where you just want, you know, when you pick and choose your battles. I like it. Um, now we, we discussed a little bit earlier and we kind of focused on no and, and why you just keep doing it over and over again, why it's ineffective, but let's discuss Yes. Uh, how it may seem easy, but you provide some tools in the book that makes using yes much more successful. So share some of those tools. So <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, because um, I've done so many writings on the yes. So <laughs> it's like, which one did he read? <laughs> no, uh, I got the book right here. I'm like, I'm not going to open it right now. Um, you know, I think for me is, you know, we're going back down to the relationship piece and the trust. And to me, I'm gonna, I want to give, I, I want to give a child, you know, an opportunity to grow and learn and do things, you know, whether it's around the iPad, right? So it's like if you can show me that, you know, you're getting off on something, then yeah, of course you can have your iPad. And if you're not having, if you're not throwing it across the room, so that's a yes, right? Like you can have these things, but you're also meeting us where, you know, where. You know, you're meeting me halfway of like working on yourself and I'm working on myself too. Like I'm yelling a little less. So, and I think that's kind of where that yes comes in of the child being able to have opportunities versus taking things away all the time. Yeah. You know, so go on. Sorry, Tamara. That's okay. Um, I I think what we see a lot of is that because um, there's not, not a lot of no's, um, and, and parents are parenting from that emotional space. They want to be their friend or they're afraid um, if they're dealing with some sort of mental health issue that they're going to make the depression or the anxiety worse. And so they're saying um, yes a lot more and not that no. And so they can't trust that that's a real yes. And so by creating that container of trust because the, the, the child can learn that a no is is a no, and that's keeping them safe. That mm-hmm. when a parent says yes, that they can trust that's a real yes, and that there's safety and trust in that too. Or the or the parents just going to take it away, right? So then it's a manipulation right. tactic to change a behavior. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like they don't know if you're going to do that. Yeah, I don't do that here. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think for, and I do see a lot of parents doing that because it's like, I want to control that my child and this behavior is getting so out of control that they take away, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, this just happened recently, like a, a, a five-year-old that I, in the schools, like they had a family trip to go camping and like he was hitting and I don't think he had other ways of communication. And so they told him that they, for a consequence that they should cancel the family trip and they did. And to me, that was just like, wow, like that was, I mean, over the top for me. Um, I wouldn't like if a child is learning how to do things. Um, how many kids were involved? I mean, it was just, I mean, he, this is just, you know, with the sensory issues and like sensory yes. processing, right? So they get, like, they get overstimulated. So you, you can't, 
how information comes in is not typical. And by the, and by the time like, you know, a child's running and you tell them to stop, by the time that that, that, that that message gets to them to actually stop, they're already like into another child, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that people are coming, are doing things from the, the old way of doing it. Like you, you, you just, your child sits down and that, they have to listen. You know, at my school, we have movement desks. Like I'm on a bike right now. Like that we're constantly moving all the time. Because <laughs> like mm-hmm. kids can't sit still. So it's just going back into like that negative thing and then taking things away and people don't understand like that's a, that causes more anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then how does the child can feel coming back in to the school? Well, without high anxiety, he's going to hit again and again and again mm-hmm. and again. You know what I mean? So we're not changing it. We're making it worse. It's mm-hmm. a great point. Um, and we, we've got about three more minutes and we have another question and with some comments that has come in. So this one reads, uh, in elementary school, I was a tomboy. In junior high, I grew into my femininity and my tomboyness evolved into being very active in sports and school activities. I have two children of my own now, and I'm very upset with what is happening in our public schools. Uh, COVID being used to keep children out of school uh, you know, has been stressful enough without them having to also deal with the reduction of sports programs, little or no requirements for outdoor activities, and this craziness of CRT, pick your pronouns, and children being told they can choose their gender. Outside of pulling them uh, and, uh, and conducting homeschooling, what can a parent do? Perhaps your book doesn't deal with these issues directly, but would it help with emotional issues and other stresses they are creating for our children? And this is from Alice in California. So the question. That's a lot. So let's go on the, uh, the book does have, you know, body thing, like for body awareness, like how to help if you have a child that's wiggling all the time, you know, I don't think people understand the benefit of yoga with kids. So for mm-hmm. example, like downward dog is actually calming and be uplifting too. And you're also getting like the input through the joints, which also helps with um, the body awareness. So if you have a kid that, you know, is constantly moving all the time, like I'm always putting up these kids in yoga poses. And if you're homeschooling, having that be incorporated throughout and like breaks and things like that. So I'm like, if I'm answering this question correctly, I'm, I'm not, I'm sure. But there are, there are things to help. Um, and then around the social emotional piece, which is, I would be looking at the rewind, the repair in the book. And that goes into, you know, how are we teaching, you know, the, the social skills, right? Because also if you're in, if you are not around a lot of other children, that's where, you know, you have to be thinking about how is my child building on their social skills? Because a lot of times schools, you know, you're learning the turn-taking conflict resolution and other things like that. So making sure that you have your child out in parks and other things and, and around other kids that learn those skills. Cause I mean, those are life skills too. So. All right. And, and Tamara, what would you add to that? I think um, with the pronouns and, and identification are, it, it's a cultural swing. Um, and, and we have, and the kids are really, really in it. Um, it's like, you know, do you identify? Yeah. I, kids are announcing that they're straight, you know, it's part of a proclamation. Um, So I think that we just have to create space and let them try on those hats. It's just part of the developmental thing Um, and, and just giving them space. And if it's a phase, it's They're going to go through that. They're just going to move, move on through. But if we start to say no, 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 like you're saying in your book, then that's going to cause some creation or some conflict and, and some, maybe even some resistance and pushback. So. And I think also like the empathy piece and understanding that everyone is different yeah. and teaching that. And so um, that's a huge component, especially with, I mean, as an, with such young children and young children are watching everything we're doing and saying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, and again, unfortunately, we're run out of time, but I want to thank both of you. So, again, for everybody out there, uh, my guest co-host is Tamara Garden of Sedona Sky Academy. Um, our guest is uh, Vanessa Kalon, and the book is How to Do Parenting with Confidence. Uh, so, 
uh, Vanessa, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way that they can do that? So you can just go to vanessacolon.com right there. And then you send an email, we get the consultation, anything on there, everything's on there. So, and it's um, K-A-H-L-O-N dot, yeah. Okay. And, um, and the book I assume can be got anywhere, anywhere where books are sold. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yes, you, you can go to Amazon. And it's in Spanish too. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, it, but again, everybody out there, um, this may not be the book for you, but I'll bet you know somebody that is struggling with uh, parenting. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And it's, it's always been an interesting thing to me that, you know, you know, we, we go to high school, we're told to take wood shop and science and home at, and, you know, uh, auto mechanics and everything else. We need to spend a lot more time on parenting. And this is one way you can do it. So, uh, Vanessa, thank you so much, not just for coming on the show, but also for writing a book that I think is going to make a positive difference on a lot of people. Thank you for having me. All right. So for everybody out there now, please uh, be with us again next week. Uh, and because we are going to be joined by Chris Parsons and he's going to share his new book. It starts with you. It's the secret of a passionate marriage and a peaceful home. And please visit our archives of past interviews by going to answers.network, or you can subscribe to our show through Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Rumble, Spreaker, and so many more. So for everybody out there, um, uh, be good human beings. Be with us again next week on Answers Network. And Tamara, thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to maybe this summer when we're going to be able to learn a little bit more about Sedona Sky. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on LA Talk Radio.